Frighters. I'm Holland Elise, and this is Fight or Fright. Hello, Frighters. As promised, here is your second episode of this week coming to your ear holes. I hope you have a happy holiday. It's weird times, but I am sending my love and gratitude in this holiday season to you through the airwaves. Anyway, like I said, this is the second episode of this week, and it is again a holiday one. And being a PA resident, I am taking it back to my home state while I'm home. Woo! So... Let's start from the very beginning, a very good place to start. (laughs) Anyway, in July of 2002, Ernest Hulover was charged with sexual offenses against his daughters, Victoria and Elizabeth, both of whom he molested while they were underage. But at the time he was charged, Elizabeth was still underage. Victoria wasn't. Once Ernest was charged, his wife, Jean Hulover, got a order of protection on behalf of Elizabeth and filed for divorce. This was not stated, but I, I believe that the reason that the protective order was for Elizabeth was because she still lived at home. Victoria was about 20 years old and she was no longer living at the house. So I think that's why Jean might have just got the order of protection on behalf of Elizabeth. With this order of protection, Ernest was no longer able to stay at their home in Middletown, Pennsylvania. He had no right to entry, and he was now unable to obtain firearms. So this forced Ernest, who was in his 40s, to live with his parents and brother Scott, who was about half his age. And again, this was all going on in July of 2002. So now let's fast forward a little bit to December 24th, 2002. Ernest and Scott had been out at a bar drinking. After a while, Ernest convinced Scott to drive him to his old family home in Middletown. He said that he wanted to go there because he wanted to get the dog from the house. And Scott complied and they go on a horrific adventure. So yeah, they arrived at the house just after midnight. Little did Scott know... Well, if you listen to what he says, little did Scott know what exactly was going to happen when he parked about a block away from the family home in Middletown. While Scott was in the car, Ernest forced entry into the house. Jean, Victoria, and Elizabeth were all there for the holidays. They were celebrating, enjoying each other, just happy to see each other. I mean, with everything that had been going on, It had probably been a crazy year, and it was probably nice for them to get together without the shitbag that is their father, Ernest. But Ernest was out on bail. I think it was like a $100,000 bail that he was out on. And he forced entry into the home and shot them all with a pistol. Again, a gun he should not have had. So not only did he break the protection order because he went to the house and in the house, but he also had a firearm, which also would have revoked his bail. 
So again, he's a shitbag. But the only person that wasn't killed in this incident was Madison. Madison was the nine-month-old baby daughter of Victoria. She was alive, but she'd been left alone near the dead body of her mom, left without food and water until someone would eventually find their bodies. Again, so I say, he's a fucktard. But then Ernest convinced Scott when he got back into the car to drive him to Clearfield, Pennsylvania, where he then proceeded to get rid of the evidence in a remote location. 28 hours after this horrific incident, the bodies of the three women and the baby were found. Not the body of the baby. The baby was alive, but the baby was found and the bodies of the three dead women were found. Police obtained a search warrant for the Middletown residence. I'm not 100% sure why the search warrant would be necessary exactly because it's where the bodies were found. So it was a crime scene. Uh, If anyone is listening and they know why that would be, it's just something that I found in the research that they got a search warrant when it was at the crime scene. So I was a little confused. But either way, I digress. They were able to investigate the house and collect all the evidence that they could find at that location. Obviously, they came across Ernest pretty damn quickly. They came across him pretty damn quickly because of the ongoing court case on the molestation of his daughter. So obviously, this is going to raise some huge red flags. In my mind, with the red flags that are being raised, there is also an alarm sounding with the flag. And they, after looking at the house in Middletown, they received a warrant for searching Ernest's person. So searching Ernest, his car, and the home where he was living with his parents. After they did these searches, he was convicted on three counts of first-degree murder. And from the word go, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania made it clear that they were going for the death penalty in this case. At this time, Scott pleaded guilty and became a witness for the prosecution. And as a part of this deal, he ended up leading them to Clearfield, where they found the firearms and other evidence from that night that Ernest tried to get rid of. On the stand, he testified that when Jean filed for divorce, Ernest said he was going to shoot her. He said that all he knew about this trip was Ernest wanted to get his dog and that he parked a block away because that's where his brother told him to park. This was corroborated by, or apparently corroborated by surveillance evidence. Scott on the stand said that he was told by Ernest where to go and waited about 10 to 15 minutes for him. From what he observed when Ernest came back, he was shaken, but took control of the situation and directed him to Clearfield, where Ernest then disposed of the evidence. Ernest then gave him the story that he should stick to so that they both had the same story about that night. So he gave him that false story, told him to stick to it. But after a bit of pressure from law enforcement, he came clean. Also, a jailhouse informant came forward to speak about the goings on while Ernest was in jail awaiting trial for the murders. This man spoke about how Ernest had tried to hire someone to kill Francisco Ramos. Francisco Ramos was the biological father of Madison, Victoria's baby. So Francisco Ramos, Ernest had 
tried to have killed. He wanted him to be killed and evidence planted to make it seem as though Francisco was the one that committed these crimes. But this prisoner got in touch with police right away and an undercover cop got involved and the plan was thwarted, thank God. I mean, the defense tried to spin this as it's a man who was distraught over the death of his family and wanted the person who he thought did it to pay. I mean, really, there's not much else you can do. This dude, like, for sure fucking did it. So I don't know, but there's not much else you can do in the terms of defense. Also, they were saying that he'd never had anything violent in his history. He's never been convicted on anything other than these, like, murders and all of that stuff. So it... They, they didn't have much they could go on. And to the detriment of the defense, the prosecution was able to bring in the testimony that Elizabeth and Victoria gave on the molestation case from July 2002. This is because the prosecution was trying to show why this crime was committed. Ernest was going to be going back to court in one month in January 2003 to face the molestation charges. So he wanted to take care of the family before this so that he didn't have to go back to that trial. They brought all of this up, but in the end, he was not convicted of the molestation charges. He was acquitted, even with the testimonies his daughters gave in the hearing in July. But he was convicted of first-degree murder for all three deaths, conspiracy, reckless endangerment, which is in regards to Madison, burglary, criminal solicitation, in regards to the murder attempt of Francisco Ramos. But like I said, the molestation charges he was acquitted on. There's a part of me that wonders if this is because the girls weren't there in person to tell their story. And so they couldn't say without reasonable doubt. There was reasonable doubt since the girls weren't there to tell their story. And I mean, Ernest was already facing three first degree murder charges, which the prosecution was pushing for the death penalty and sentencing. So maybe they just decided to get rid of the molestation because they couldn't prove it without a reasonable doubt. And he was never going to see the light of day again anyway, if he had three first degree murder charges. So I don't know, but this was just a thought I had. Who knows what the heck was going on in that and with that jury and what their discussion was. Governor Ed Rendell signed the warrant for the execution, and as always, there is a long waiting period for death penalty cases because of all the appeals and all of the attempts to get either life in prison or a different sentence or whatever. And in 2015, Governor Tom Wolf placed a moratorium on the death penalty. So that kind of seems like it would be the end. But in 2018, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court affirmed the death penalty for Ernest Hulover, but he does still have some routes that he can take to get off death row. He can still file a habeas corpus relief at the federal level. So he still has some appeal options. All I know is that if they do overturn the death penalty sentencing, that I hope he still receives life in prison without parole. He did a horrific thing, and I don't think that the timeline is a coincidence. The fucking jackass knew that in one month he was going to have to go back to court to face the molestation charges in regards to his daughter. And in my opinion, I know he was acquitted, but in my opinion, 
he fucking did this. He did this to his daughters. He sucks. And he tried to cover his tracks by murdering them so that they couldn't testify against him and hoped that this meant he would be able to stay out of jail. And since he went through all of that just to stay out of jail, in a way, I hope he gets life in prison without the possibility of parole because he so obviously didn't want to go to jail. And as most people know, if you're accused of molestation, you don't fare well in jail. You kind of screwed. So I don't know what's going to happen if I get any updates about his next appeals or what happens. My guess is it's going to be turned into life in prison without parole because there is a moratorium on the death penalty. And if he takes it to the federal level, I just I see them giving him life without parole. What do I know, though? I am not a lawyer, not in law. And my roommate will probably be screaming at me when listening to this, like, this is what this. No, this is it. Because <laughs> she is a lawyer. But anyway, this is this episode of Fight or Fright. And I hope you enjoyed it. Please write and review on Apple Podcasts. Please tell a friend. I would love to talk to you guys. Find me on social media at Fight or Fright Pod on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at Fight Fright Pod on Twitter. On Gmail, you can send me an email at fighterfrightpod at gmail.com. And your girl just got TikTok and is a bit obsessed. So you can find me at Fighter Fright Podcast on TikTok. You guys are awesome. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And remember, y'all, don't fight this fright. Till next time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fight or Fright. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fight or Fright Pod and on Gmail at Fight or Fright Pod at gmail.com. Twitter is the only one that's a little bit different in there, and that's at Fight Fright Pod. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it, and it would really help me if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Even just spreading the word to family, friends, people you know that enjoy true crime, mysteries, paranormal, all of that kind of stuff. And this is Holland, and I'll see you next week when I tell you another crazy story. And remember, you don't have to fight this fright. <laughs>